Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the fourteenth of. August, my my, how the year marches on! It's one minute past nine o'clock here on Community Radio Three CR, and Pierre, I will come to you in a moment, James. Pierre, your birthday's in three days. I'm、uh, shocked that you remembered, but it's obviously one of those little、uh, calendar invites that comes up.、Uh, You know, on your phone or, or whatever. <laughs> I don't.、Uh, you know, these days makes it actually. We've got a、um, secondhand car, and、uh, it still comes up with the birthday of the person who owned it the first time. Oh wow!、Yes. Goodness me. Yes. Um. Yeah. My name is Pierre, and you're listening to <laughs> Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And yes, it is my birthday in three days, and of course.、Um, We're actually three of us today in, in the、right. studio.、It、hasn't been. I was.、Like、I was.、Uh, I was about to say, and 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 James, it was your birthday. It was my birthday. Five days ago. On Monday. Yes, that's right.、Uh, yeah, it was great. And we are waiting for a happy birthday. Oh, 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 really? You'd like me to sing to both of you? Please. I just think、uh, I'm surrounded by two Leos on this show. There's no chance of getting a word in edgewise. I think. Well, I was going to say about males and egos. <laughs> You've got to keep feeding. There's plenty of chance <laughs> when you're involved. <laughs> anyway, Giselle. So, if people want to get、uh, in contact with Australia Asia Worker Links. Uh, yeah, how are you going over there, Pierre? You just keep dropping things and losing losing various things, including your marbles. Yes, if you do want to get in touch with、uh, Australia, Ageism. Ageism. <laughs> Australia Asia Worker Links, you can find us on the web, all the w's dot a a w l dot org dot au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. I'm not sure if I said right at the start. Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. I actually said that, but so obviously I'm not the only one losing my marbles. Yeah, but there, it's all about you... listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Giselle,、um, uh, can you actually、um, yeah, so gather、I'll、yourself you... and say what's in the、sure、second half、I、can. of the show? In the second, so、um, you, listeners will recall last week we had a story about the anniversary of the bombing of、um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and those two events happened on the sixth and ninth of. August in 1945.、Uh, this week, we've got a speech that was delivered by Sutsuko Tullo, who is a survivor of Hiroshima.、Uh, she delivered this speech in 2019.、Um, Sutsuko, being one of the survivors, but also、um, one of the founders of ICAN and its predecessor, so dedicated her life to fighting for nuclear disarmament. She was one of the people who received the Nobel Peace Prize. On behalf of ICAN International, and、um, in the short, so so it's an edited version of a longer speech she gave.、Um, it's basically her first-hand account of the bombing of Hiroshima. It's it's quite a harrowing、um, talk to listen to, but I think it's important、um, to commemorate the anniversary. Totally right, totally right.、Uh, I think there's a saying: those who who don't remember will be 
something about repeating the same mistake. Yeah. I, I just want to jump in. The reason why I interjected there is the ninth is my birthday, and every year my uncle reminds me that it's Nagasaki Day, so I remember. Yeah, well, um, I, I'm glad that you were born on the ninth of, of of August, but also um, lots and lots and lots of people died. So very important to remember that. Yes, we have an activist who's coming to the world to fight for it, nuclear disarmament, but also, I don't know, 175,000 people died that day. Uh, no, that's the total of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. But anyway, should we just go to the Labor? Because let's, let's, yes. let's go to uh, the mini news. And we're going to start off in South Korea. A recent report has shone a light on the occupational and safety crisis that workers in South Korea face, especially weaker sectors like migrant workers. In a period of 18 months till June of this year, over one 1,100 workers in South Korea were killed due to workplace incidents. The report also found that migrant workers, while they make up only around 4% of the total workforce, account for 12% of these fatalities. These deaths are usually the result of workplaces not following health and safety guidelines, as well as workers' inability to organise and have power to make changes. For migrant workers, the situation is even worse as they're more vulnerable due to their visa conditions that often work in the most dangerous and harsh occupations, often are not able to read safety instructions provided solely in Korean, and then are unaware of any pathways to seek redress. I mean, there's an additional problem for Korean workers, <clears throat> which is that the law is actually different for um, temporary um, workers versus permanent workers, also in relation to the right to join a union. So um, it's an added layer of uh, precariousness for workers in that country. I know. It, it's terrible to think that over a thousand uh, workers die every year in South Korea for totally avoidable reasons. Well, for our second story, it's another anniversary, quite a different anniversary. Last Sunday, the 8th of August, was the 33rd anniversary of the popular uprising against a previous military dictatorship in Myanmar. That movement was crushed after a few months, but the the memories of that time have now come to the forefront once again this year after the latest military coup in February of this year. There were special protests and demonstrations all over Myanmar to mark this date, the 8th of August. While reports from inside the country are sketchy due to the repression, it is clear that strikes and industrial actions are continuing and are crippling much of the economy. In addition, while there have been thousands of anti-government protesters arrested, protests continue unabated. Many of these actions have now become militarised, with armed civilian groups increasing in numbers. Some, reje- some reports now suggest that the military is starting to lose hundreds of soldiers per month due to these clashes. Moving to Iran now, where a strike by oil and gas workers has, that has started in late June is now extending into August, with more than 100 workplaces affected and over 100,000 workers involved in industrial action. The workers' demands include secure employment, higher wages, including back pay, and this is one of the key issues, they haven't been paid their wages, Compliance with health and safety regulations, another big issue because in the south of Iran, it's this time of year, the degree, it reaches 50 degrees and uh, the last round of strikes last year was because a, a worker died in 50 degree heat uh, and better shifts and holiday leave. While information is strictly controlled, these workers have received a lot of support in Iran, especially from other striking workers. They've also received solidarity and messages from the General Federation of Trade Unions and Workers in Iraq and the Iraqi General Federation of Oil and Petrochemical Workers. The latter union, in particular, is sympathising with the Iranian workers' conditions as they face very similar issues in Iraq.
I think that's a great example of solidarity um, uh, in different <coughs> countries. And in Hong Kong, unions have shut down um, uh, significant parts of that country. This week, the Hong Kong Professional Teachers Union, with over 95,000 members representing around 90% of the profession, dissolved itself after coming under sustained political pressure and threats of being charged with national security breaches. The new national security laws that were enacted in June of last year have seen a number of human rights and trade union activists being detained and charged. Last month, the Progressive Lawyers Group, Progressive Teachers Alliance and the medical group Medicine Inspire all ceased operations for the same political reasons. Activists expect the situation for workers and organising efforts to continue to worsen in the coming months. Just a, a complete crisis in Hong Kong right now. Not really clear how that um, situation is going to unfold really. Um, well, I think it's just going to unfold in a negative sense. I, I don't, I'm not too sure if many independent trade unions are going to be left uh, for much longer. Um, we'll now go to Thailand, where last weekend saw the biggest anti-government demonstration in Bangkok for the last few months as the health and economic crisis brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic continues to deepen. Thousands of demonstrators defied restrictions on public gatherings on Saturday and marched towards Government House, the office of Prime Minister Prayut Chanocha, demanding his resignation. They were met by a large contingent of police who responded with tear gas, rubber bullets and baton charges. Many demonstrators were injured and during the following days at least 10 protest leaders were arrested by police. Opposition to the military government and monarchy is once again increasing, and I think more rallies are planned for this weekend, spurred on by the corruption and ineptness of the COVID-19 vaccination procurement and rollout processes. Moving to Malaysia now, where migrant workers are suing a glove company. Malaysia's Top Glove is the world's largest rubber gloves company, whose profits have increased 22 times in the past 18 months due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The company relies heavily on migrant labour, and as in many other countries, these workers face substandard working conditions, insecure employment, low pay and crowded living conditions. These harsh conditions have been labelled by labour activists as forced labour conditions, where workers have very few rights and have difficulty leaving due to visa issues. This week, a migrant, migrant worker from Bangladesh helped shine, uh, shine the spotlight on health and safety standards of the company by demanding compensation for the cancer he has developed due to chemical exposure while working at Top Glove. And there's that public meeting today um, that is organised by AAWL and a coalition of other workers um, <clears throat> or other organisations across the world fighting for justice for those um, ANSEL PPE workers. That's right, and it's at 6 o'clock uh, tonight here uh, at Australian Eastern Standard Time. Obviously, uh, as an online international uh, meeting, it's different times, but you can just go on Australia Asia Worker Link's Facebook and you can register. But that gets to the end of the uh, news roundup for this morning. It's just on 12, pa- 12 past 9 o'clock uh, here on Asia Pacific Currents on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back with that uh, speech by Setsuko Thulo. 
3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. It's 13 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. And yes, please get vaccinated. We're going to go into our feature story for today, which is a speech delivered by Satsuko Turlo, who is one of the survivors of Hiroshima. She was 13 when it happened. So she's quite elderly, but still a lifelong activist now for ICANN and in the cause of nuclear disarmament. You have no idea how delighted I am to be here. I really am. Now, I'll just speak from the heart. And of course, my experience as a victim on that day and aftermath, and since then, 74 years past. So, talking about my own personal life, my family life, and collective memories of Hibaksha. Well, I'll start with my own personal experience. I was a 13-year-old girl, a grade 8 junior high school student, but Japan was losing badly in war. Uh, We couldn't afford to stay in the classroom and study. We were mobilized by the army, by city governments, and so on, to provide the cheap labor. Um, That very morning, I was at the military headquarters, not at the school. But three weeks prior to that, uh, about the group of 30 students were uh, recruited, and we started getting the training at Army headquarters how to deal with the top-secret uh, messages. So we learned how to decode those. Can you imagine 13-year-old girl dealing with the nation's top secret information? How desperate Japan was. So... I met the the group of 30 students at the station. We walked to the military headquarters, 
and walking to the big wooden building. We went up to the second floor, and which was located about one mile from the ground zero. And at sharp at eight o'clock, the assembly started, and Major and I was giving us the pep talk. This is the day you prove your patriotism to the emperor, do your best, and so on. We said, yes, sir, we'll do our best. Then at that second, I saw the blinding bluish-white flash in the window. Then I had the sensation of floating up in the air. When I regained the consciousness, I found myself pinned under the collapsed building. Total silence, total darkness. I tried to move my body, but I couldn't. So I knew I was faced with death. It was strange. I wasn't panic-stricken in that condition. I calmly accept facing death. Then I started hearing faint voices of my classmates. Mother, help me. God, help me. So I knew I was not alone in that darkness. Then all of a sudden, somebody started shaking my left shoulder from behind. Strong male voice said, don't give up, don't give up, keep moving, keep kicking, keep pushing. I'm trying to free you. You see the sun ray coming through that opening. Crawl toward it. Get out of here as quickly as possible. To make a long story short, that's what I did in the darkness. By the time I came out of the building, uh, building, no, there wasn't a building, the rubble, I should say, the rubble was on fire. I looked back and thought about my girlfriends in there, in the same room. But no way I, I could go back into the flame. So that meant about 30 other girls who were with me in the same room were all burned to death alive. I looked around. Although it happened in the morning, it was dark, perhaps because of the smoke and soot and the particle in the air which was rising in the mushroom cloud. So it took me some while before my eyes got adjusted. Then I began to see some moving dark object approaching to me. And finally I figured out they were injured people desperately shuffling from the center of the city to the outskirts. The man said, soldier said, well, you girls, I and two other girls, you girls joined that procession and escaped to the nearby hill. That's what we did. And we learned how to step over the dead bodies. And um, we managed to escape. At the foot of the hill, there was a huge military training ground about the size of two football fields. Quite a big place. By the time I got there, the place was packed with the dead bodies 
and dying people. Some groan, but mostly begging voices, very faint voices. Water, please. Water, please. Nobody was yelling, hey, I'm in trouble. Give me water. Nobody had that kind of physical and psychological strength. Just simply begged for water. We wanted to be useful because we were lightly injured. We went to the nearby stream, washed off the blood and the dirt, and we tore off our blouses and soaked them in the water and dashed back and put that over the mouth of the dying people who just, (laughs) they just um, sucked in the moisture. That was a level of so-called rescue operation. I quickly looked around and see if there were any healthcare professional helping, but of course not. They too, I learned later about 80% of the medical professionals, nurses were killed, they were too killed, but the remaining people were working at some other places, I think, but not where I was. So, uh, it, it looked rather hopeless kind of situation, but at least we were doing something people were asking for, and we kept, three of us kept doing that all day. And when the darkness fell, we sat on the hill, and all night we watched the entire city burn, feeling numbed from massive death and human suffering we had witnessed all day. That is my first day. I can't, well, in my family, I lost nine members, my close family, uncle, aunts, cousins, sister, nephew, sister-in-law, and so on. The injury was caused by the blast and the heat, heat of about three to 4,000 degrees Celsius at the ground level. I understand the explosion took place up there in the center of the explosion. The heat was way over one million degrees Celsius, but that fireball descended to the ground where human beings are living, and they were simply incinerated. Some were vaporized, some were carbonized. Um, Majority of the girls from my girls' high school were in the center part of the city. Together with the grade seven and grade eight students from all the high schools in the city. The city had a special project. They wanted to be prepared for the incendiary attack by the Americans. So to be prepared for that, they destroyed the buildings and to widen the streets and uh, They called it the fire lane. They were building that. The cheap labor came from the students. So seven to 8,000 students 
grade seven, eight students are brought to that point in the center part of the city. So majority of my schoolmates were there. I was at the army headquarters. That's why I think I am still alive today. Anyway, and those people have no chance to survive, most of them simply vaporized. But there was one girl, my best friend, who happened to be there, who survived and came back and told us what their last minutes were like. Everybody was so badly burned, and the math teacher was there supervising the girls, and uh, they couldn't walk. The math teacher invited the girls to surround her. So from my school, all the girls came in circle. The teacher died there. And my own sister-in-law, my eldest brother's wife, was also supervising the high school students there. We never found her body. Maybe she's one of those who simply vaporized. On paper, it says she's still missing. Um, my cousin was there too. Anyway, we rejoiced when we learned that my favorite uncle and aunt survived. They were okay, no visible outside injury. But then about a week later, we started hearing, no, they were not okay. So after my sister and my nephew died, we had a so-called cremation for them. My parents went and looked after my uncle and aunt. And their description of the situation is that their whole body was covered with purple spots. And at that time, that was a sure sign they are going to die. And my mother said that their internal organs seemed to be rotten and uh, melting, coming out as thick black liquid. My parents looked after them until their death. I'm just giving you a few examples of human suffering of 100,000 people. At that time, city had about 360,000 citizens. And they all went through this kind of situation. Three CR always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out, to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. 9.27 here on Community Radio 3CR. That um, featured uh, talk was delivered by Sitsuko Tulo, who is a survivor of Hiroshima. She was 13 at the time of the bombing and is now a lifelong campaigner for ICANN. 
That's right. And um, while we're listening to that um, that talk, really, we we were having a bit of reflections about uh, war and uh, really destruction, uh, and 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 really how it's not only important to remember the the big events, what happened, but really remember there's usually a a, a process that actually gets us there. That it doesn't happen like tomorrow there's a whole process to basically dehumanize whole layers of the population so that they're totally desensitized to all these mass killings but also it's a reminder as well that uh, while climate change and campaigning to halt climate change is uh, looks like the biggest demand um, for humanity today a central part of halting climate change is also ending war and we can't neglect or abandon the anti-war movement. It is central to humanity, to socialists, to any anti-capitalist to demand an end to all wars. And to the whole military-industrial complex. Mm. I think that's a great way to um, finish the, the show. You've been listening to Asia Pacific Currents brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. That's all from me, Pierre Morrow. James Barry. And me, Giselle Hanna. And stay listening to 3CR. Straight after this announcement, we'll go to Palestine Remembered. This is Nick from Pinar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.